So hello there and welcome to the fifth episode of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. Uh, look, today we take a little bit of a break from the interview sequence that we've been running so far and I, I really hope that you found some value in listening to the insights that the, the leaders we've interviewed have shared. And when we started this podcast, one of the things that uh, we did want to do is make sure that we were giving as much value as possible to you, not just in the forms of those interviews, but also in the form of content. And so we made a very conscious decision to uh, record some episodes where we were going to focus on giving content, whether it be our own content, which we've developed, or content which we have come across in our travels as leaders or used as leaders all that we've trained in all the training programs that we run. So for today, I'd like to introduce you to this topic of the 11 essential components of a high performance culture. And what we're going to do as we go through this is I'm just going to uh, share the framework for you. I hope you've got a pen and notebook handy because it is uh, something which I think you can take away and make plenty of notes. And look, if you're really interested in, in the content at the end of the episode, shoot me through a quick email, julian at synergingroup.com.au, and we will make sure that you get a copy of uh, in PDF of the actual workbook. So uh, enjoy. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. So one of the things that uh, effective leaders understand is how the culture of a team directly influences the performance of the team. And one of the ways that we, we do this is we look at the idea that high-performance culture equals a high-performance team. Now, the term high-performance gets thrown around a lot. I hear it all the time. I don't know about you. And, you know, I often think to myself and I often ask people in my training programs, well, what does that really mean? Because everyone's seeking to be a high-performer. Everyone wants to be a high-performance team. And so there's, there's not necessarily one, one exact definition of it. So what I'd like to do is ask you to ask yourself a question. If someone external spoke to, reviewed and investigated your team, would they consider your team to be high performance? That's the question I'd like you to think about. I like to think that if someone came and had a look at my team here at Synergy Group, they would say we're very much a high performing team. Question is, do you believe your team is? So today is really about giving you that journey, giving you a framework that you can take away and start implementing immediately. So I'm just going to quickly go through the 11 for you so that uh, you've got a bit of a taste of what's to come. And then what we'll do is we'll delve into each one a little bit in more detail. So the first essential component is this idea of having a defined purpose. That's followed up by number two, which is shared values. Number three is always having an agreed plan. Number four is clear roles and responsibilities. Number five is effective measures. Number six is regular quality two-way communication. Number seven, situational leadership. Number eight, adaptability and creativity. Number nine, effective tools and processes. Number 10, efficient problem solving and dispute resolution. And number 11 is shared rewards. 
so they're what we're going to be going through over over the, the next little bit in this podcast. So let's get straight into it, shall we? So let's start with number one, this idea of having a defined purpose. And what this really means uh, is that the entire team are working to achieve the same ends. So we really want them focused on the same things, focused on making sure that they're reaching the right outcome that we've set out for them. And this comes through having a shared vision, collaboration and support. And these are all the foundations of a high performance culture. And my view is that you as a leader, you're the one that's responsible for ensuring that the team understands the purpose. You're responsible for making sure that everyone is on the same page. But the only way you can really do that is if you're clear about what the end goal is. What are you actually trying to achieve as a leader? Where are you trying to take the team? Are there specific goals that you're trying to hit? Specific performance measures? These are the things that you need to ask yourself as a leader. Now, when you do that and you get an answer and you're able to articulate that to your team, ultimately what that will lead to is everyone working towards a common purpose. Now, this is going to do a couple of things. Obviously, it's going to help you get to where you need to get to. But importantly, it's going to start building the bond between your team members. This happens because they all understand what's actually going on, what they're trying to achieve, and allows them to work collaborative together and to also self-identify where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are and work out how they can capitalize on these and work through it together. Now, one of the ways that I always recommend that uh, leaders set the defined purpose is this idea of the quarterly conversations. So I'm a big believer that the, you know finance rules the business world. So these quarterly conversations tie in with financial quarters. And the purpose is just to really take the time to step away from the day-to-day and actually have a conversation with your team members. Make sure they're clear about what you need them to achieve. Make sure they're happy and engaged and all of those things. And if there's any issues, you raise those as well. And it really just sets a tone and gets everyone clear. And look, I'll finish up with this idea that you know you might want to consider as a leader, does everyone in your team actually want to be there? Or are they actually there just because they have to be? It's, a, it's an important question to ask yourself because depending on the answer will depend on how you approach it. Now, I also wanted to give you a couple of ideas around implementation for each of these 11 essentials so you can walk away with something to actually, actually do at the end of the podcast. So first one that I'd like you to think about for defined purpose is to clearly identify and understand the purpose of your team. Now, you can be quite aspirational about this. You can say, you know, we're here to do, uh, you know, meet, meet the, 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 the big, hairy, audacious goals. You can say that, you know, we're trying to keep Australia moving. Or you can be very, very practical. We are trying to do this by this particular date. The purpose is really to understand clearly and articulate what your purpose is. Second thing I'd like you to think about is this idea of the financial quarters. Get out, go out, talk to your team members. Take them offside if you need to, take them into a meeting room and just have the conversation. And then the third thing I think you can do is on a regular basis check in with your team and reinforce the common purpose. So depending on how your business is structured, you might want to uh, do weekly meetings, monthly meetings, fortnightly, however it is. Just reinforce that idea that this is what we're aiming to do and we're doing it together. The second essential component of the high performance culture is shared values. 
And look, the values are really, really important to any team. And the reason they're important to any team is that the purpose essentially dictates where we're going and the, the values essentially become the compass. They make sure that we're getting there the way we need to get there. Okay, so generally a lot of organizations now have organizational values and things like that. And it's important to have those. It's also important though to probably drill down to the next level and understand what are your team values and how they fit with those organizational values. The values set the behavior for the team and they always enable you as a leader and the other team members to actually be able to call out each other uh, if someone's not actually demonstrating these values. And I think that's a really important point to consider as a leader. Are you prepared to be called out by your team members? So if you're not, if you've stated this is one of our values and your your witness not acting in that way, are you prepared to be called out by it? I know that I am, and I'm I'm, I'm happy to wear that. It's not necessarily the easiest thing all the time, but it is important that as the leader you set the tone. And look. I think it's also important that you build your team around the organizational values, but once they start to work with those and start to really embrace them, again, drill down further, start to look at what are the values you want for your team, how they fit to the broader organizational values, and get them up on the walls, get them spread around, get them involved in determining what those values are. Because the last thing you want to do is just come in, set down a list of values, and not actually get your team involved in it. So some implementation ideas for, for shared values. First thing is get your organizational values with a team and make them visible. So this is where they need to go on the walls. They need to, to go wherever they need to go so that they're visible to the team. Then I'm going to ask you to you know, take some time with your team and identify a set of values they believe are relevant to them and reflect their commitment to each other. Now this is important, particularly in organizations where there may be a little bit of a disconnect for whatever reason between some people in the workforce and the organization, because as a starting point, get them focused on working together, then we can look at the bigger picture of how we get them back on track with the organizational values. And then the third thing I'd like you to think about is now that you've identified these team values, make them visible, monitor how they're demonstrated by the team on a day-to-day -day basis make them visible. The more that you can make things visible in your workplace around values and purpose and things like that, the more it's going to be start to be embedded in the conscious of your team members and they're going to be really start to see just how serious as a leader that you take these. Third essential component of a high performance culture is this idea of having an agreed plan. So this is where the team understands not only what to do, but how to do it. The plan's got enough detail to guide them. It's also got enough flexibility to enable them to cope with changes and incorporate new skills and capabilities. So it's, no, it's not rocket science to realize that your team's gonna work best if you've given them a clear plan. A clear plan, clear direction. Now, during my time as a, as a, as a trainer, I've realized that every organization has a different approach to planning and scheduling. So I'm not here to say how you have to do it. I'm here to suggest to you that are you clear about what your plan is and have you communicated it to the right people? Does everyone else understand what the plan is? And I think a good way to always sense check this is try to step outside of your team and imagine if you were an external person 
and you were coming in and you asked your team members, you know, what are we trying to achieve? What would they say? Would they be able to say, yep, very clear, this is what we've got to achieve over the next week, the next month, the next three months? And then as you asked it from people, they're all singing the same song. They all know exactly what they're trying to achieve. Powerful little exercise to try and uh, put yourself through there. I also like you to think about the fact that your plans need to have an element of flexibility because things are always going to go wrong. We always start out with great intentions when we do planning and many, many times we're going to have to change and shift and adapt. So wherever possible, build a little bit of that adaptability into your planning. The other thing to think about is here is, is there a sense of agreement between yourself and the team in terms of the plan? There's no point you as a leader just going out saying this is a plan, that's it, and then your team looking at it, that's not going to work. Try to get some consensus where you can. And, you know, also, quite often your team are the ones that are going to have the best ideas in how to actually do it. So three implementation ideas for your agreed plan. Number one, review the way planning is done currently in your workplace and your team and just check in. Is it an effective way of doing it? Are we good at planning? Number two, engage your team in the planning process and encourage them to contribute ideas and contingency plans. Get them involved. The third thing I'd like you to think about is make sure every team member understands the plan, how it's going to be implemented, and also what success looks like should we reach this plan. What does success look like? People like to be associated with winning. So if we can set up a a visual picture in people's minds that yeah, if we can achieve this, this is what's going to happen, that's a great place to start. So the fourth essential component of a high-performance culture is this idea of having clear roles and responsibilities. So this is where you make sure that everyone in your team knows what they should be doing. You as a leader understand everyone's strengths and weaknesses and you plan accordingly for that. And want to make sure that your team also value and appreciate their differences and that they look to build upon them. So I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this question. Does everyone in your team understand their roles and responsibilities? And then I want you to follow up with this question. Do I recognize the strengths and weaknesses of those in my team and leverage them accordingly? Now, roles and responsibilities go above and beyond position descriptions. I don't know how many times I've worked with businesses and position descriptions are out of date. They do not adequately reflect what the person does. So they're a good starting point. They're a necessary starting point. But I'd like you to make sure or think about the idea that it's not just that. It's not just having a position description in someone's file. I'd like you to think about the idea that for your team to play at its best, everyone's got to be aware of the role they play and the roles of others in the team. This is where we can really get good collaboration if they understand what other people are doing as well. Now, if you can provide this clarity of role, you're going to be able to focus on the performance of your team members. You're going to be able to say, I've very clearly articulated what it is I'd like you to do. Now we're going to measure how you're going about it. This is where you can start to really dig deep and see what sort of performance do you have in your team. You can look at their strengths, you can look at their weaknesses, and you can really take the time to actually focus on performance and make sure that your team is performing where it needs to be. You are not going to have a high-performance culture if you don't have high-performing individuals. So a couple of or three implementation ideas here for you in terms of number four. Start with a position description. 
download it from wherever your central server is, print it out, have a look at it, review it, make sure it's relevant, make sure it's up to date, make sure it doesn't have uh, uh, in the footer that it was a position description from 2002. Make sure it's relevant, make sure it's got the values incorporated in it and that it adequately reflects their role. Then I'd like you to think about taking to the next step and getting your team members involved in doing a SWOT analysis on themselves. Now SWOT is a old tool but a great tool simply because of its flexibility. So get them to look at what are their strengths, get them to list them down why they have those strengths, why uh, they have those strengths and how they're going to capitalize on those strengths. Think about their weaknesses, why do they have those weaknesses and how they're going to mitigate those weaknesses. Think about what opportunities exist, how they're going to foster opportunity and then you finish up with the old threats. So how are we going to counter those threats? So you do that on an individual basis, but then you expand it out and you put it all together and you do one on your team. And you look at this from a perspective of building capability, because that's what it's about in leadership. It's about building leadership capability, building the capability of your team, making sure that they have all the capability that they need to perform the tasks they need to perform. Number five is this idea of effective measures. This is where everyone in the team and individuals are aware what they're going to be measured on, how they're going to be measured, and what the consequences are if they don't meet the targets. So performance measures for both the individual and team are essential if you really want to start digging in deep and looking at how your team is actually performing against the goals that you've set for them. So in an ideal scenario, team performance measures are made visible on a scorecard. Look, this is something I'm particularly interested in at the moment, and it's this idea of a personal scorecard. Now, whether or not you make it visual to the whole team's neither here nor there at the moment, it's more this idea that you're able to put together somewhere between five and seven performance measures that you are able to put in a simple A4 sheet and say, this is how we're going to track you over the next three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And at a glance, you could say you're performing well here, performing well here, performing well here, a bit shaky here. Let's focus in on that. And you start to look at well, how are your people actually performing? What does their scorecard say about them? And when you've got those scorecards in front of you, it starts to give you a sense about the whole team and how the whole team's performing. So scorecards are a great way of getting a snapshot view. So again, this also refers back to the whole idea of you know, job descriptions and making sure that they're all clearly articulated there, what the measures are and what their tasks are. Because if you can't identify what the tasks are, how are you supposed to actually have a measure for them? And again, you make it all visible so that if corrective uh, action is needed, you can do that. That if someone's not tracking where they need to be tracking, that you're able to do something about it. So again, three implementation ideas. The first one we've already spoken about, which is that idea of reviewing your position description, making sure it reflects their role. I'd like you to look at your team performance measures and make them visible for a scorecard. Now, the advantage in doing a team performance through a scorecard is it doesn't highlight individuals. So if you've got a number of people all doing the same task, much easier then to put together a team scorecard. And now I'd like you to think about how the team and uh, individual measures align to the broader strategy of the organisation. There's no point you going off having this great scorecard that's really, really uh, accurate and reflective of your team if it's completely misaligned with your organisation. So I really just want you to do a little bit of sense check there and make sure that it is aligned with your organisation. 
So the sixth essential component of a high-performance culture is this idea of having regular quality two-way communication. Now, in all the training that I've ever done, communication has always been raised as almost the number one challenge that leaders have, whatever level it may be. And so I'd like you to think of it from this perspective, that you want your team to speak out honestly, you want them to listen attentively, so that they can support, encourage, question, challenge, direct, and bond as a team. This is where we want to get to. Now, doesn't matter what industry you're in, doesn't matter what organization you're in, often the different layers of management lead to communication challenges. Okay, so I would like you to really think about how, how that applies in your workplace. So we always like to have a, uh, and recommend having a two-pronged approach to communication. So the first one is the formal approach. So this is where you have your, uh, your weekly or daily meetings. This is where you have newsletters, if that's the way. This is where you have formal reporting. All of those different things, presentation, toolboxes, lean meetings, briefings, shift handovers, all those things which occur in a business that follow some sort of formal structure. We've got to have those and you've got to have those clearly defined with a purpose behind each and make sure everyone knows what it's all about. Second thing I'd like you to consider is having that informal approach. This is where we do all of the, the hallway conversations. This is where some of those informal emails that go backwards and forwards. This is where you really want to foster people to actually put their hand up and say, hey, I think we can do something a bit different here. Hey, I think I'm, I'm, I can contribute here. So having the two-pronged approach is really going to enable you to effectively communicate. Okay. Now, three things that you can do here is take a step back and evaluate how you communicate in a formal context. Is there anywhere you, where you can improve? Second thing is I'd like you to think about how you informally communicate. Now, for those that have been through my programs, I'm a big fan of a, a little technique called the HIG. The idea of how's it going conversations, which are really just a, an opening question to, to engage people in a relationship-based conversation. Are you doing that? Are you talking to your people on a regular basis? And I'd like the third thing I'd like you to think about is how does the organisation communicate? So organisations are always faced with different challenges when it comes to communicating. Some, some communicate very effectively, some very poorly, and then everything in between. Some, people, some organizations have geographical challenges, technology challenges, industry challenges, divisional challenges, departmental challenges, the list goes on. So take a moment and think about how well do you think your organization communicates. The seventh essential component of a high performance culture is this idea of situational leadership. This is where you as the leader, you know your team in terms of their knowledge, their ability, their desire and willingness, and that whenever whatever is thrown your way, you're ready to adapt, that you can adapt your style to suit the occasion, that literally with a click of the fingers, you're able to adapt. Now, effective leaders can do this very well because they are aware of the different types of people in their teams. You'll find some leaders don't fare so well those leaders that have probably been around quite a long time and are very set in their ways. They might not necessarily be in the position to adapt as effectively and easily as someone who has taken the time to really get to know their team and appreciate the differences in the team. 
So leaders of high-performance teams consistently demonstrate the ability to adapt depending on who in the team they're dealing with. Okay, And this really gets down to the idea of not having a fixed approach. Look, sometimes in my training programs, people have said to me, Julian, what makes a great leader and you know, what should I be trying to do? And for me, you know, I've looked at all the different leaders that I've worked with and had the opportunity to work with. And look, I think one of the, the most impressive traits which comes out of people is this idea of being able to adapt, not treating everyone the same way. Being able to look at someone, listen to someone, say, okay, you need something different from me today. Some people might need a little bit more direction. Some people might need more flexibility. Some people might need the sympathetic ear. Whatever it is, your ability to adapt and be switched on to what's actually going on around you, I think is critical to your leadership. And I'd also like to introduce this idea of creating a psychologically safe work environment. So this is one where there's two things which make up a psychologically safe work environment. The first is what's called conversational turn-taking. And this is really where at any of your team meetings that people feel comfortable in being able to share their views, thoughts and opinions. That they are able to express themselves and that they know that other people value their opinion. Second part of this idea of creating a psychologically safe environment is the idea of empathy and recognition. So this is where at a team meeting, if someone wasn't feeling comfortable, someone else in the team would actually notice it and actually not just notice it, but take it to the next level and ask them, hey, are you feeling okay? Did, did something upset you just then? If you really want to create a high performance team within your high performance culture, psychologically safe work environment is the way to do it. Another three implementation ideas for you here. First one is I'd like you to check out the idea of emotional intelligence. Now, some of you will be very familiar with the term. Some of you may not. So emotional intelligence was is a concept which has been around since the, the late 90s now, pioneered by a man by the name of Daniel Goleman. And really emotional intelligence is about understanding yourself and understanding others around you. So if you can have a better understanding of, of why you are the way you are and why you act the way you act and why you lead the way you lead, you'll have a much better ability to look at other people and say, well, they maybe they're uh, conducting themselves in that manner because of this or because of that and enables you to adapt far more easily. Then I'd like you to think about how could you actually build the levels of emotional intelligence in your team? Is there, is there a little activity that you can do? How can you start to get them together and start being aware of the impact that they have on each other and start recognizing the value that they each bring? And then the third thing is at your next team meeting, introduce the idea of this psychologically safe environment and see how they respond. What are, the, what are they, how do they respond to it? How, what are they interested in? Do they ask questions? What does that mean? Do they get a sense of excitement? And just have a bit of a watch because it may give you some insights into the team members. Number eight is this idea of adaptability and creativity. So this is where you and the team can respond to change in a creative and appropriate manner. So in today's work environment, it's important now that we don't get fixed, that we don't get stuck in a fixed 
mindset where we have no adaptability and we have no creativity. The world's moving too fast and business is moving very, very fast as well. So we need this idea of being adaptable and creative. Change is a new constant in business and to remain competitive, organisations and their employees are going to need to embrace change. A lot of this is being driven by technology and that in itself is providing, proving, I should say, to be a big challenge to a lot of people. Organisations are still struggling with the idea of how do we embrace new technology, how do we become a part of it, how do we use it to our advantage. So change is going to become a topic more and more relevant in business now as you see more and more changes happening. So a couple of things we can do when we look at change, we can think about uh, how we actually manage change. Now, there's a couple of different models that uh, exist with change. And look, we have one which we always tend to use as a default position, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. But I'd really like you to think about how do you respond to change as a leader? Are you someone who embraces change? Are you someone who drives change? Are you someone who gets dragged along kicking and screaming to change? Because this will ultimately impact how your team deals with change. So we need to be thinking about how do we personally respond to change and how well is my team geared to change? So three implementation ideas that you can look at to become more adaptable and creative in your team is review and familiarize yourself with Cotter's eight steps model. Now, Cotter is well established as one of the uh, pioneers of you know, having effective change processes. So it's a great model. I actually may even do a, a content podcast on this sometime in the future. Second thing is I'd like you to look for a small change project and trial the approach. If it works for you, identify a bigger approach and then just keep rolling with it. One of the advantages of change is it enables you to look at existing processes, existing systems, and look at how you can make them more effective, how you can make them more efficient. This gives you the opportunity to bring in people to be more creative, that they can contribute. And the more you get your team to contribute, the more buy-in, the more sense of ownership. If they've got that sense of ownership, they're going to put in their hard yards. One of the things which I think you can always measure a team by is the amount of discretionary effort that they are prepared to put in. At the third uh, implementation idea here I'd like you to, to think about is just, you know, throw this one out there, a creative thinking game and see how the team responds. See, a lot of, a lot of what this is is about as a leader is testing and how your team's going to respond to different ideas. Because you can take a hard line with this as your leadership and you can just go out and you can say, no, this is the way it is and this is the way it's always going to be. What I've found to be a more effective way is when you start to test and check with your team members how they respond to certain things and start to bring them on the journey with you. Bring your team on the journey with you. Ultimately, that's what they want. So number nine in the essential components of a high-performance culture is having effective tools and processes. So this is where I'd like you to take stock and, and think about, does every person in your team have all the tools that they need, all the support, all the equipment? And then are all the processes clearly defined? Are they all mapped out so that everyone can follow them, that everyone can see what is actually happening? Now, if you want your team to perform at its best, you've got to make sure they feel supported. You've got to make sure that they feel as though you have their back, that you're there ready to give them whatever they need to do their job well. Because let me ask you a question. If you don't feel supported by your manager, 
if you don't feel as though you have everything you need, how well do you perform? I'd be pretty sure that you have been in that uh, position before and that you may not uh, necessarily be firing on 100% if you don't feel that you have everything you need to be successful. So when it comes to processes, take the time to map them out. Take the time to do some process mapping and actually look at where, where you're creating the most value in your operations. Where you're creating value, what systems do you have, what, what processes do you have in play, are they effective, what's the waste like. All these different things are going to start to become apparent once you actually take the time to map out your processes. Could be that you need to cut things out, could be that you need to add things in. I'd also like you to think about this idea, that your team is a reflection of your leadership. And high-performing teams generally have high-performing and excellent leadership. So if you've got effective tools and processes and you've taken the time to map them out, and you've taken the time to work with your team to get them, what does that tell you? That tells you that you're taking your leadership seriously, that you're actually looking to build the support structure for your team to perform at their peak. So three implementation ideas for you. Go out there, conduct a review of your processes that apply to your team. Are they effective? Once you've done that, number two is engage your team and ask them what support they need from you for them to perform at their best. Then support them. And number three is all there can be value in actually looking back and seeing where your teams performed well historically. Are there patterns? Are there things that we can replicate? Are there circumstances, environments, so that we can continue on and actually make sure that we are doing that over and over again and getting the levels of success that we want to get? Number 10 in the 11 essential components is this idea of having efficient problem solving and dispute resolution. So this is where your team is empowered to find solutions and they know when to escalate issues. So look, one of the things that I'm particularly passionate about as a leader is this idea of solutions-based thinking. And this is where we acknowledge a problem, whatever it may be, it could be a person, it could be a process, whatever the problem is, customer, whatever it may be. And then we spend the majority of the time not just debating the problem, but looking at how we're going to, what solution we're going to put in place, how we're going to deal with it, how we're going to fix it. Too many times you have people who come up, they have found something wrong, they say, here's what I found wrong, and then they walk away. I'd like you to think about the idea of what can we do to get people thinking about solutions, focused on solutions. There's always going to be problems in business. There's always going to be problems in leadership. There's always going to be problems in teams. And it's how we deal with those problems. What do, Are there particular problem-solving tools that you use? You know, root cause analysis, the five whys, all these different techniques you can use to really understand problems. And look, if disputes come up between people, if you've got a clearly defined process, well, then it's much easier to actually deal with as a manager. So three things I'd like you to think about in this one is number one, compile a register of ongoing problems. Are there any determining factors? What, what solutions could we look at? I'd like you to think about getting your team to take ownership of idea creation to solve a specific problem. So at your, at your meeting, you can say, this is the problem that we're going to work on today. What ideas have we got? And the third thing I'd like you to consider is, what's your issue resolution procedure like? Does everyone understand it? Again, it's about articulating what's important to the business, what's important to the team, and really making sure that the whole team's on board. 
So the final component of the essential components of a high-performance culture is number 11. It's this idea of having shared rewards. And this is where team success is celebrated and rewarded. So teams that celebrate success, however that looks for you, always become focused on replicating that. People become addicted to winning and being successful. Now you just have to look at sport. I don't believe any person playing any sort of competitive sport is actually going out there to lose. They're going out there to win. They like being involved in a team that's winning. We do it with our sporting teams. When they say, when your team loses, you say they lost. You put that word they in front of it so that it distances you from them. When your sporting team wins, you say we won as though you were out on the ground with them. So we have this idea of being successful. Now in business, we have the challenges that many businesses aren't quite sure how to celebrate success, how to, what reward and recognition programs they should have in place. Now there's challenges with all sorts of reward and recognition programs. And I've had plenty of experience in listening to what some of the largest companies in the country do and what some smaller companies do and what even I've done in my past as a leader. It's important to think about how do you want to reward success and how do you celebrate it? How do you acknowledge it? Teams with high performance culture are driven by more than just reward. It's actually about being part of something which fulfills them. So if you've got a, an approach to how you're going to reward, recognize success, now you're going to share those rewards. And it doesn't always need to be monetary. That's where people always go. First of all, they always think, oh, got to give someone a bonus or a commission. And it doesn't always have to be all that. My own personal experience has taught me that that's not always the way to get the most out of your people. So take the time, sit back and think about what reward and recognition program do you want to put in play? And so three things I'd like you to consider. How could you reward your team the next time they meet a specific goal? Second thing, identify the key personal success drivers for each team member so you can leverage them to the benefit of entire team. Some people are going to be recognition driven. Some people are going to be financially driven. Some people are going to be time driven. By understanding this, you'll be in a much better position to actually come up with an effective plan for how you're going to share rewards and celebrate success. And then the third thing is introduce this cycle of feedback to make sure that you're always recognizing the efforts of individuals and that you're always promoting successes of your team to senior management. So there you have it, the 11 essential components of a high performance culture. Now, in closing, I'd like you to think about this. What are you going to do with this podcast? So your options are this. You can just listen to it and say, yeah, that was an okay comment. Or you could actually do something with this content. So I've run this program with, with a number of different businesses now. And what I'm finding is it acts as a diagnostic. So what you're able to do is you're able to check in how your team's performing against each of these 11 components and then actually say, well, okay, this is where we're a little bit shaky. This is where we can put our focus. So I'm going to suggest to you, don't just listen Take the idea that we've gone through on the podcast, put it into practice. Like I said, if you want a copy of the actual workbook, which gives you all this content, plus a checklist at the back, which gives you all the 33 implementation ideas, happy to send it to you. Please don't just listen to the podcast. Actually do something with the content that we're giving you. Okay, so once again, if you want to get in contact with me, julian at synergengroup.com.au, and I'll make sure that you get a copy of the, the, the workbook that goes with it. So 
Uh, with that in mind, we'll, I think we'll wrap it up. So uh, happy listening. Thanks for being a part of it. And if you feel like going over to iTunes again, I know I say this a little bit, but it is important because we do want to uh, spread the word and, and, and share the insights that our leaders are uh, sharing with us during the interview specifically. So head over to iTunes, Stitcher, leave a review. That'd be great. And uh, next week, we've got uh, another interview for you. So stay tuned for that. And I'll see you next time. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. Uh, see you next time.